Hey, Camp Kids. Welcome back to the Camp Kids podcast. In this episode, you're going to be one of my friends by the name of Knuckles, who shares her camp experience from moving from Minnesota to work at a Girl Scout camp in Iowa for her to call that her home camp. I've known her for a while and we've had a chance to work together in the past, but in this episode, we're going to deep dive into her camp experience, which is very, very similar to mine, going through Girl Scout camps merging, camps coming together that definitely shaped her camp experience. And she's going to share that with us today. So without further ado, here is Knuckles. Knuckles! Camp is great. Well, so I'm very familiar with you and your camp experience, but I would appreciate if you could describe to our listeners all of your background camp experience. Like, where did you go to camp? With what organization? Yeah. So I actually started doing day camp as a camper as a child when I was like four years old. Uh, There's a nature center in the city I grew up in. I grew up in Rochester, Minnesota, and I did day camps there. My parents really placed a lot of importance on getting us out into activities, community education, camps, things like that. So I was really lucky with that. Um, I started going to Girl Scout overnight camp in fourth grade, which is a pretty common time for most um, programs when you're entering fourth grade for those week-long programs. That's the first time I did that. I had done a Girl Scout day camp once before um, within that council there that I grew up in, but my home childhood camp would be classified as uh, Camp Whispering Hills. I think now it's the council is Minnesota and Wisconsin River Valleys. It was River Trails when I was in, um, but, you know, merged with others as most councils have done. And so I attended there from the years entering fourth to eighth grade. And my intention then going into in that summer between eighth and ninth grade was to be a counselor in training, but they canceled the CIT program. And I just didn't go back as a camper after that. I wasn't actually really involved in Girl Scouting in middle school anymore. My troop was splitting at the end of fifth grade. About half of us were sent to one middle school and half to another. So everyone just kind of lost track, lost interest, lost contact. So I really just paid my dues each year so that I was able to go to camp. It was just very important to me to be able to continue doing that. The first time that I went to camp for an overnight week, I went with girls from my troop and I was definitely like a nightmare camper. I remember one night, all four of us were just like crying and yelling at each other and super mad at each other, super homesick super tired as you know like eight nine-year-old girls get (laughs) and I just I can just picture being in those moments as a counselor now and I just know I'm like oh we really we really exhausted them we did the most but um, that was that's always the challenge of when you've got girls coming with girls that they know they're a lot more they're a lot more likely to fight with someone they already know than with new friends that they make now the next year I went I took one of my friends from school who wasn't in Girl Scouts. She actually was moving back to Canada where she was from um, a couple weeks after our camp session. So that was a really good opportunity to spend some time with her and share something that I loved with her at that point. And then my last few years going, I didn't go with anyone I knew. I kind of crossed paths with people I knew, but it was a small camp. There were four living units. Uh, One was always with the horse programs. And sometimes when I was there, they were only using three of the living units. I think the camp counselors rotated between sites 
for the other camps within the council, uh, just because it wasn't that large and the other camps in the council weren't very big either. And um, my home camp actually closed a year or two after I started working at my work at my adult home camp, Camp Sacagawea. Um, my original intention was to apply and work for the camp that I grew up going to. I interviewed with them. I had weird vibes coming from the interview. Uh, they did offer me a position, but they're like, we start June 30th and then it's about six weeks and you'll rotate between the three camps in our council. And June 30th was just way too late for me. I got done with school. This was between my freshman and sophomore years of college and I got done, you know, the first week of May. So I just couldn't wait that long to be out doing something. I had spent the previous summer just kind of at home depressed, which is a whole nother part of me. So I had put my name on to like one of those camp forum sites looking for camp jobs, one of the job boards, and was actually sent a message by the director of Camp Sacagawea in Boone, Iowa, um, saying that they were still looking for counselors. I did a couple interviews with her pretty quick. And she's like, well, we'll offer you the position. We start June 6th, you can come be a counselor. And I mean, I grew up in Southeast Minnesota and I had never been to Iowa because like, why would I go to Iowa? Um, it was just, <laughs> it was, it was, it was uh, unless we had, we were driving South, which we never, if we ever drove, drove anywhere, we didn't drive South. We would drive East, we would drive West. We didn't, you know, need to drive through a flyover state. So I got in the car with my mom and we headed down to Iowa and the drive, I mean, most of the drive from where my mom lives to Boone is interstate. So it's I-90 and then it's I-35 and it is the most boring drive. It is absolutely terrible. Like it's just flat, it's cornfields. I-35 closes anytime there's any blowing snow because it is so flat and there's like big drifting. Like we just had that a few weeks ago. I was like, what did what did I do? I'm like, I looked at it at Google, Google Maps, mom, I swear. Like it's more green there. There's like actually trees. Um, <laughs> and once we got off of the interstate, we're on like county roads and stuff. I was like, okay, okay. Like there's some hills here. That's okay. Um, we almost lost it laughing as we're taking the main road that gets you to the dirt road for camp there's a sign that says hill <laughs> we're like and we're like no <laughs> hills don't require signs there's just hills everywhere there's supposed to be hills everywhere i don't understand but it is a very big hill leading right down to the des moines river valley um but we lost it she's like what, what are you doing with your life I'm like i don't know mom i remember driving by that sign oh my gosh coming from the ozark mountains I was like, you've got to be kidding me. We are in a cornfield. So there's a hill sign. It is a big hill, but the Des Moines River Valley is right there. It's all carved by glaciers. So the entire property is actually covered in ravines, which was really nice. Uh, my home camp was actually also a floodplain carved by bluff. So it was the opposite. Um, we were, most of our camp was in a valley, whereas Sacagawea is at the top. But uh, coming somewhere so hilly and just a completely different landscape than most of what's around there since most of the land is farmed. So it was a nice little oasis in the middle of corn. <laughs> oh yeah. So anyway, yeah, you came down to Camp Sacagawea to work for your first summer. Yep. And I was just a unit counselor. Um, I came in, I was pretty intimidated right when I came in uh, because there was a lot of people there already there were already kind of groups forming 
the international staff had been trickling in for a couple weeks. The barn staff were there. The rope staff were there. The counselors who don't have any sort of program certification certification are the last ones in. Also coming in as a first year staff where about half, I think that year were returning staff. Uh, there were about 35 to 40 of us in total. Um, it was hard to see right away where I was going to fit in, um, especially just I don't have the most out there personality to begin with. Once I'm comfortable, I'll get going. But especially at that point, 19-year-old me, a lot more timid, entering a new situation. And it was a lot. <laughs> um, I hadn't been in a camp environment in a long time either. It didn't overwhelm me to the point that I ever thought about leaving. But I was concerned. I was like, where where do I fit? What's my place here? Like, what am I bringing that all these other people aren't because they sure are bringing everything else to the table. I mean, I figured it out. I don't think I really had a huge place until the last few weeks of that summer. I really found my footing. Camp personality really came through. And so I returned the next summer as a unit leader. I had a really rough summer that year. <laughs> um, had that Part of that was I came back from studying abroad, had seven days at home, and then went right to camp. So my whole identity was in flux at that point. I did a lot of, you know, things that got me in trouble and just wasn't thriving. I mean, I got to camp and by the time that we had our first day off, my whole goal for that day was to cry because I was like, there's just too much pent up in me right now. Like I'm wholly overwhelmed. So I just want to cry. I'm just going to find somewhere to be alone here and like cry today. That's my goal. And so people were out going to do things all over the place, going to movies, going into um, Ames or Des Moines and finding activities to do. And I borrowed The Fault in Our Stars, the book from someone and said, I'm gonna read this because it'll make me cry. And then I read it straight through without a break and didn't get enough emotional attachment to the characters It didn't cry. So then I was just even more frustrated and pent up. But oh, <laughs> we figured it out. That's how we started that summer. And <laughs> it was it was just rough. And I I mean, that summer was, definitely my most challenging based on situations that I was in. Unit leader is like no joke. That was a really hard role for me. I felt like I had to beg my way back in and you know obviously I can't speak for how that was but there was a bad perception of me left at the end of the summer so I felt like I had to work really hard to convince people that I was worthy of returning. Yep that was not my best role um, and I've talked to the unit director of that year since then. Um, it was actually Marvel I'm like, Marvel, you just, it just didn't feel like you had confidence in me. She's like, you were frustrating. Yeah, I did have confidence in you. I knew you could do better. And I'm like, I know, I know a lot of it was my perception of how like any sort of, I mean, feedback and it was, I was in my head in just a different way. And my focus wasn't where it needed to be a lot of the summer. Um, so I felt like I had a lot to prove to be able to even get the opportunity to come back for round three. But round three, I was back in the units just as a program counselor. I had done ropes as a unit leader, so I was certified in ropes again. I was certified as a lifeguard then for my first time in that summer, and then also archery. So summer three, I was kind of running all over the place. I basically inserted myself into shadowing into the unit director role, which was one of our like leadership team roles. Um, did a lot of work helping in the office to try to, you know, learn how I could kind of step into that position when it was going to become vacant. Um, and 
I, I thrived that year. I had just graduated with my undergrad at that point. I was moving down to Iowa at the end of the summer because, I mean, camp actually completely just changed tra- trajectory of my life as it does for most of us. And I, um, yeah, I, I did great. And that, I mean, motivated me that I was like, I'm going to come back next year, but I'll be administration. I'll be office leadership. And so I did, I returned two more summers as the unit director, um, part of the like five to six person leadership team that we ran there, uh, working on all of the registrations and then overseeing the unit leaders, um, which was a really fun thing, especially because that was a break from my full-time job. Once I was in the office, um, I just, I took the summers off, took a leave of absence from the job that I was working at the time. And even though you'd think going into an environment where you um, eat, breathe, sleep, and completely live your work would be stressful, uh, it was actually a big (laughs) calming, um, grounding exercise for me. Um, just to separate from the work that I was doing at the time, which was also incredibly (laughs) stressful. You have only been with Girl Scout camps. Is that correct? Or have you had an opportunity to go to other camps as well? No, I haven't worked anywhere besides Girl Scout camps. And I did actually this last summer get to immerse myself for a week in a Girl Scout camp that I hadn't been to before. Um, You spoke with Abe. I was the one I went out and did a session at her camp out in California this last summer, again, as just kind of a break from the regular life, um, just to get back into the camp world. And I worked just as a unit counselor, which was uh, very interesting being, you know, like 10 years older than most of the other people in the units and not having been to that camp before ever. And just kind of, you know, getting into that new culture and also just the way that camps evolve year to year, um, especially post COVID that's had a big effect on how, places run and it wasn't even post COVID there. Their summer was completely messed up by COVID. Um, They had had to cut numbers. They had had to cut sessions. We had to wear masks everywhere. Um, So it was still a little less campy than camp usually is because there wasn't as much intermingling between groups. Um, And there weren't, you know, just some of the same things that had made camp magical in the way that it was before not to say that it wasn't a magical experience they did the best with what they had but um, yeah I've only done Girl Scout camps in a professional sense otherwise uh, attending as a kid I went to you know day camps nature camp a volunteering one once I was in high school um, which were still you know kind of campy but it's just not the same as residential thank you for sharing that um, now, I know your camp name, Knuckles, but explain the story behind how you got your camp name. Oh, when I first got to camp, I, like I said, I was having a hard time really putting my personality out there and figuring out, you know, what my camp persona was going to be. So I just wasn't sure at all what I wanted the camp name to be. But, um, and I'd come up with like generic options. Um, I think like mini and like some, I'm not even sure what the other options were. And I had asked like my peers there, like what they thought of those. And I really didn't even want to present Knuckles because that was a name that had come from uh, (laughs) college friends. But as soon as I did, they said, that's the one. I'm like, guys, it doesn't even make sense to you. They're like, that's it. It doesn't matter. That's the one. Um, But I had been given that name because my 
real human name, Emily, is very common. And so in my friend group, there was already another Emily. So they're like, you don't get it. She has dibs. She was there first. And I'm like, that's valid. Um, and so they, the people that I was friends with were from smaller towns than mine. And they're like, oh, you, which high school did you go to? I'm like, John Marshall. And they're like, that one has a lot of fights. It's rough, tough fights, knuckles. And I'm like, guys, like I was practically in a different cohort of my school. Like I graduated, my class was smaller than the other classes below me. But I graduated with like 350 people. Like I was in like the AP and honors classes. So I was basically in a cohort of like 60 to 80 kids who were in all the same classes as we moved around. Um, So was I ever even remotely near a fight? No. Like if I wanted to see one, I had to go onto Facebook or YouTube to find. I would hear about them the day after they happened. They're like, doesn't matter. You're tough. Like, all right. All right. Sure. I'm tough knuckles and I think I grew into the name more than anything else uh I just had to embrace it at that point and let that happen so (laughs) (laughs) I love everything about it uh because you're one of the most kind-hearted people out there too so I was wondering it's like why does she have such a tough name as knuckles like I know and then once I was leadership people were like when I saw the name I was a little intimidated I'm like you've got to be kidding me like First of all, thank you. Like, I'm flattered. I've never, like, I had to work a lot in therapy when I was in, like, my first year of college on assertiveness, and that only grew all the way up until, like, you know, the end of my camp career. I'm like, so thank you for thinking that I have any sense of authority and can get you to do anything, but also <laughs> ridiculous. Like, most of, if you asked, you know, a lot of the people that worked with and for me, they'd say, I love Knuckles hugs. I'm like, yeah, so it really... it's not the same but you know I can get really competitive that's when I really feed into it Uh, other than that yeah it's it's like naming like a pit bull fluffy it's like the opposite effect like I am fluffy but I am called knuckles so it's fine (laughs) oh I love it go back to your first camp experience the first time that you did it what kept you coming back to camp the counselors were a big piece of it I'm really grateful that the first camp that I went to through Girl Scouts had that, you know, camp name tradition, uh, very big, the songs, all of those things. And uh, it's really funny. I actually was looking, I'm full of nostalgia and like very sappy, which is not uncommon in the camp world. But I had looked through later on in middle school, um, some pictures and like a little like signature book that I had from my fellow campers and stuff from that one experience that I had in my summer between like second and third grade. And I found this signature and it said Jesse and it had a little heart over the eye. And I looked at it and I'm like, no, that that's my friend. That's like actually someone that I became really close friends with since seventh grade. So <laughs> I had actually crossed paths with her twice before we ever became best friends. And both of them were through camping experiences, one through that nature center day camp. And then once through uh, our first little Girl Scout day camp experience at, you know, seven, eight years old. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I just, it was really easy to connect to people there. Um, even being put on a busload of kids that I didn't know, uh, and just going out each day to this weird little patch of undeveloped land with trees and hills in the middle of town. It just was, you know, a nice escape from 
the regular day-to-day -day that we had. I mean, summer was pretty routine for me. I was really lucky to grow up in a neighborhood where there were a lot of kids. Um, we used to pool hop between the backyards with those, you know, either the PVC pipe pools or the ones with the inflatable ring that go up to like three feet deep. Um, I had a great summers at home, but camp was just the thing that I looked forward to the most. Um, so the years that I got to have, like that I was lucky enough to have three or four weeks of camps interspersed were the best because I would just be looking at the calendar, just like waiting for those opportunities to go do my own thing. Like I said, I was like a nightmare camper my first summer doing overnight. I went with friends, which yeah, is a really tough thing. Fourth grade girls are rough. Fourth and fifth grade, fourth through sixth grade girls are just such a mixed bag of where they are developmentally and how they get along with each other and their interpersonal skills and their interests and so just the way they treat each other can be just so nasty um, just because none of them know who they are and they don't even know that that's the struggle they're going into yet. It's not to middle school that you're like, I don't know who I am in fourth grade. You're just like, you still play with that toy? That's dumb. But um, no, I really appreciated the counselors. And I, like I said, I had a fighting, I had homesickness. We were in the storm shelter my first um, time at camp. Oh my goodness. Uh, like I, I still have the postcards that I wrote home from that time. Like we had to go to the storm shelter for a little while and I can still remember just being in this basement. Like all the counselors are just singing and trying to keep our spirits alive. And it's like 80 degrees in there from all the bodies like pushed together. Um, but I don't know, something, something just changed in my brain chemistry that I was like, yeah, I like that though. <laughs> like, like I, I don't, it doesn't really make sense to me. I'm, I'm just really not sure what it was, but <laughs> it's something, something about it made sense in a way that I couldn't even put together. Um, so I just, I just kept going and I was bold enough to do that without going with like anyone I knew and trying, I was afraid of heights, but I went to like high adventure camp and like things like that. So it was just a different, it was just a place where it was different. The world's just different at camp. You had said that the biggest reason why you kept coming back was the people. What were some of the people that inspired you and what did they do to do that? The counselors were just so patient um, and just could handle anything, you know, thrown their way. It, the, I think that flexibility really just inspired me that they could, um, on any change of situation, figure out what to do. My mom said that one of the years that she dropped me off, I don't know if it was my first or second, she had, they, the parents got to come to the unit with us and get us like settled in. Um, and she was walking back with some other parents and saw a group of counselors, you know, so like 18 to 21 year olds in the woods, in the trees. Um, and they were out there dealing with a rattlesnake. We have timber rattlers in Southeast Minnesota and my mom felt confident that they had it under control and she thought it was funny enough that when she sent me a care package she sent like a fake snake <gasps> which we all which we didn't know there were real snakes there as children as i'm sure you know the counselors probably didn't think it was that funny but we thought it was the coolest thing and we were all taking our like disposable cameras and posing the snake and like posing with pointing at it like ah because that's what children do um <laughs> Oh, but I think just the way that they were able to make anything fun and make anything feel safe, even in the most strange conditions, um, even when things were wrong, like everything seems to go wrong. Like 
you know, those days where like the pool, the chemicals are off or something. And then suddenly it's like, we're having a camp wide water party because it's way too hot outside to do anything else. And you can't go in the pool or like sleeping on a tarp outside. And, you know, I, it was just the flexibility, the versatility, the leadership that they showed. Um, I think it just was inspiring to watch. And I just really enjoyed those connections that I built. And like I said, I was really motivated to be a counselor in training once I was old enough for that. And it was unfortunate that that got canceled. But even the year before that, my last year going as a camper, um, I was in a program that was for girls entering grades four through eight. And I was in a cabin, an eight girl cabin, where all the other girls were going into fourth and fifth grade. And I was the oldest. And I just remember at night, like them all going through, you know, the homesickness and the difficulty that it is being away when you're that age um, for the first time. And I remember singing to them and, you know, all of them like thanking me and the counselors, like giving me props for being able to help keep the other girls calm. And just like the amount that boosted my self-esteem was huge, um, really felt helped me feel like I was making the world a better place, um, which really was what I always wanted to do from the time I was a kid. I just never, you know, knew all the options out there and how, what corner of the world I'd be able to do that in. But that's, I, I think it was just really that feeling that kept bringing me back. I mean, I can think of situations that were just off the wall goofy that um, made me laugh more than anything. Like we had a counselor hunt one of the years that I was, I think my second year going, that was how we were going to get to find out our counselors' real names was after the counselor, once you found them, you got their real name. Um, and when we were all gathered back together, they drew points so that the people who won the counselor hunt were the people with the most points. While they were drawing not only, you know, positive numbers, zero to 500, but they were drawing negative numbers as well. And my friend and I tallied our numbers up at the end and we're like mm, we have like negative 17,600 points and they're just looking at us and I'm like clearly we found the most people so I think we should get something too um and just things like that just like what a weird thing to remember like this large number and um but it was just one of those moments that I felt like special and like <laughs> the world was a good place um and yeah, like I said, just the feeling. That's really just what drives me in general is how things make me feel. So that was just a place where that could be the focus. I love that. Now, you mentioned earlier, too, that like a lot of um, other Girl Scout councils, they merged um, while you were still actively involved in Girl Scouts. And that caused some of your camps to merge and that's a very similar experience as to what I experienced when I was also going through Girl Scouts as well, but through, you know, different state and different councils. So I would love for you to kind of go through what were, what were your thoughts during that process? How did you go through that? And how did that kind of affect your camp experience? We really just focused on me going to that one camp. There were two camps that were within like two hours of where I was, where I grew up. But after going to Whispering Hills, that was the one that I was most interested in. Um, so I really only looked at the programming there. Um, 
I think more camps were added once the councils merged, but I was pretty honed in. I mean, I get pretty laser focused on something um, if it feels special to me. Um, so it didn't have a huge effect just because I wasn't really in scouting anymore, but it more affected once I had applied to become, you know, camp staff. And they're like, yeah, we only do a couple weeks of programming there and a couple weeks here. Um, and that ultimately kind of kept me from going back home because there was no guarantee that I was going to be there at any point. Um, and then, like I said, I don't even know if they ran programming that summer or not because there was catastrophic floating. Um, so they might've only run it at the other sites. And within a couple of years of that time, closed that camp. Um, I think one of the like national land reserve, national land preserve nonprofits or something has taken it back now. So it's not used for anything. Um, I tried to visit it once that did not go well. Don't try to off-road in a Honda Accord. Um, but <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I took my sister and two other camp counselors I was I was really fortunate my fifth year of working at camp my sister came and joined me because she just needed a change from her life and she's not like a camp person but she's one of those great counselors who just shows up like they're not going into anything with kids they're not you know this isn't their life this is just how they're going to spend their summer and the kids just loved her and she made great lifelong friends and it was just a really good change of pace for her in her life um, and wholly benefited the children that were involved. But I had taken her and then counselors from Australia and New Zealand with me. I'm like, let's go visit this camp that I grew up going to. And they're like, yeah. And no, no, we almost had to push the car out. There were like downed trees. I'm like, this is it. This is the camp road. That's where the barn used to be. Like, I'm like, I just want to get to my unit. There was no way. My unit was so far away that, like, when there were storms, like, they would rush the vans out there to pick us up to bring us to the storm shelter. So we we made an attempt, but it, it just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> oh, man. That must have been heartbreaking, though, to not even, like, really experience the place that inspired. Planning on moving in with a camp friend. I've lived with a different camp friend. Uh, I mean, that's kind of my world. So it all it all happened like it was supposed to, but it was definitely disappointing not to be able to, you know, return there and see. Um, we had treetop cabins there that were like my favorite. There were four person cabins and the sides were like screened, but the roofs went really far down. And then they had like, you know, like the, not tarp, but like the army canvas roll thing that you could roll on the inside to like block out that screen. But I mean, that was like my favorite living unit and things like that, that I just wanted to be able to see one more time, but that's oh. okay. We'll let the rattlesnakes and the deer and, you know, everything else have that. It's okay. I'm <laughs> glad that it, that's all that that land could ever be. The, the you know, being a floodplain, the, the world spoke and said, this is ours. Like, <laughs> nice, nice try, but we're just going to keep flooding it catastrophically. We're going to have 200 year floods in like a 15 year span. and nonprofits just don't have the capital to make improvements and repairs after that to continue, you know, giving that space to camping. Absolutely. I understand that. Thinking of your overall camp experience, what is the most important lesson that you've learned from camp? I mean, the most I've learned about has been about myself and how I can impact 
Um, I went to school to be a Spanish teacher. I did student teaching and everything. But before that, I mean, after my first summer at camp, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be a classroom teacher. <laughs> I The really important thing to me was more based on and helping people find who they are and what they want and who they can be, even if it seems out of their reach. Um, so I think, yeah, the biggest thing that it taught me was just, you know, think bigger, think different. Think bigger, think different. I really like that. What is it that you do in the real world? I'm currently a case manager for like the child protective services in Iowa. Um, so I don't do the investigations to determine whether some sort of child abuse took place, but I take the cases after that's already been determined. My role is supposed to be specialized right now. I should have only... Um, teenagers who are going to age out of the system. When my caseload switched over, though, I still held on to a few of those families that I was working with before that who had younger kids. And some of my kids are too young to technically be classified as APLA, another planned permanent living arrangement, um, which means, you know, they age out. Some of them are like 12, but it's just really hard to see what type of home environment they're going to be able to be in safely. Um, just based on a lot of different circumstances. Um, so I've been there, it'll be two years in February. Before that though, I was working for a residential treatment center, psychiatric treatment and like group home for kids in the foster care system, which obviously the camp experience brought like everything too. <laughs> so yeah, really intense work with kids and kids are the focus. I think the hardest thing with my current job was before I switched over to this teen focused thing was the fact that really my clients that I was, while the kids were the focus, I was having to do so much for the parents. And I think I, that, um, but I mean, ultimately this isn't my last stop and I never saw myself going in this direction anyway. I think I'd like to get into therapy or some sort of advocacy or probably therapy, but uh, I've, enjoyed I've only worked for now I work for the government before that I only worked for nonprofits so it's been definitely interesting definitely different than what I ever thought I would do as a child but then again I'm doing things that I didn't even know about then I was lucky not to be touched by these systems so I mean I just knew there was a social worker at the school I knew about foster care from movies I knew about group homes from movies, but I had no idea really how deep all of this kind of goes. Yeah, you're right. That is such a blessing to not be, you know, touched by that, but also such a blessing you are to all the kids that you are a part of and you're doing the wonderful work for these kids. Um, you're, you're one of their biggest advocates because um, you make a huge yeah, I appreciate huge difference that a lot. in a lot of, a lot of kids' lives. So that's great that you could kind of use camp as a catapult to kind of switching, you know, from not being a Spanish teacher <laughs> so you can do something. Right. So, right. If people would look at problems the way that they do in a camp setting, um, we, we set so many rules in like everything we do so much structured rules and things. And obviously that's a huge piece of camp too, but I wish that people would really sit down and think about what the non-negotiables are and then feel more comfortable branching out and problem solving further beyond what, rather than let's look at what we can do within the confines of the system. Like, let's look at what we can't do 
and then let's start fresh. Let's just throw that out and then let's start fresh and look at this from a completely different perspective, just because the problem solving in a camp environment is just completely different than I've experienced anywhere else. And I was really thankful to be able to bring that into the residential program as well. We rewrote our program while I was there. That, of course, is the place where I worked has since closed down as parts of systemic issues and you know, being a nonprofit and COVID staffing issues. And why are we so stuck on this rule? Like, what is this rule getting anyone? How is this helping keep things safe? Like, let's look at this as like, this keeps things safe and fits within the guidelines that we can't touch, but our guidelines don't need to be so firm and so set and regimented as long as we're meeting our non-negotiables. Um, it's really more of like that thinking big, the, you know, a lot of organizations now look at organizational structure and goals and they're like, let's, what are your BHAGs? What are your big, hairy, audacious goals and things like that? And I wish that that type of thinking just was a lot more common in society in general, um, that we didn't have to complicate things so much. Problem solving, you have to become a good problem solver if you're working at a residential facility um, like camp. I think everybody should at least have that experience once in their life just to be like, all right, we're back to the, to the bare bones of things. Um, what you going to do? <laughs> right. Like when I was working with kids in the like treatment center, the group home, I mean, we'd have points that things would be just so completely out of hand uh, based on staffing, based on other circumstances, based on, you know, one kid that completely changed the dynamic of the group based on, you know, here we have 11 kids who are here based on mental health needs, but we have one kid in the group who is so incredibly smart and a little bit more delinquent than the rest and a little bit more focused on just doing bad just to do bad um, rather than the other ones who have impulse control issues. And that person could just become a leader and just completely change things. So sometimes we'd hit those moments of crisis. I'd say, all right, today our goal is that no one runs away. Like, <laughs> we're not worried about everyone doing their chore. We're not worried about everyone being in their bedroom by this time. We're not worried about, you know, like, anything like that. All we want is to ensure that everyone is here and accounted for at all times. Um, and when you really strip things down to that bare point of non-negotiables and cut out everything else that you're like, well, technically, no, like, we're going to focus on what humans needs are right now. We'll go right back to Maslow's hierarchy. We're going to say, all right, we need safety. We need like, make sure everyone is fed and everyone has a safe place to go and everyone is warm and everyone is dressed. And we will start building up to those higher level needs as we can get to them. Um, which obviously in like camp and in human services, those are taken into consideration, but um, all of the other, you know, creative little, industries and things that humans have made to complicate our world we just we don't think down that small ever and thinking that small is like big it's actually small it's just opening up your horizons to all the other possibilities that we have yeah no i i fully agree with you i'm so glad that you shared that um, my last like heavy hitting question is if you could change one thing about your camp experience, what would it be? I think if I had done a little bit more outside work, if I had kept like a consistent therapist during my summers, that would have helped a lot. Um, 
I've been in therapy off and on for, you know, over 10 years, but I never really kept it during the summer. Um, granted at that time, um, telehealth wasn't as big of a thing. So I wasn't driving three and a half hours home. I didn't have a car at camp anyway for my first couple summers, but, um, it wasn't as big of a thing, but I think it really would have helped if I would have had that grounding and focusing out because the campus, I mean, it's magical in the way that everyone checks in on each other most of the time and puts that focus on, you know, are you okay? How are you doing? Let me check in with you. And those, you know, face-to-face check-ins are just so valuable. It's something that you don't get. That's another thing I would bring to the outside world is really just the intentionality of checking in with someone um, pretty constantly and, because the world would be a lot less lonely if we did that. But I think, yeah, if I would have kept something a little outside to keep myself focused on, which was so hard because I wanted to be in the moment at all times, but I think I needed to take those breaks to be able to really ground myself a little bit better and be a little bit more intentional what I was doing each day. That was well put. And I, I love that you mentioned the, the face-to-face check-ins. I, didn't realize that I was missing that until you had said that. Um, Cause people will like, if they check in to be a text or email or it's like in a huge group setting where it's like, you're only meeting with them like once a month. And it's like, this is not actually genuine, but at camp it was like an everyday or multiple time day occurrence. So. Yeah. Right. I feel like I'm baiting people for check-ins sometimes too. Like I'll send out something on Snapchat to like 15 people and if like one person is like wait how are you doing we haven't talked in a while I'm like that's that's a win (laughs) like I'm like then I feel like well do they really want it like and obviously they do like people don't just do things out of obligation most of the time they do sometimes but it yeah it's it's tough it's definitely a lot lonelier somewhere that you're not surrounded by people and I'm an introvert like I need my space I need to be alone even at camp I found those places I I, that was one thing that I did prioritize well I found my alone time I knew where to go to be alone Um, once I was working in the office I would try to spend my days out as much as I could Uh, my last summer I was lifeguarding once a day and anytime the pool director was gone I was running the pool so that was a really good thing I was still ropes trained Um, I'd still you know instruct things here and there to keep me you know grounded with the girls and you know focused on what the entire experience was about and, you know, trying to check in with all the units. But I also knew that like when I was running low that I'd say, all right, today is a binder day. Today we're working on all of the paperwork. So I'm just going to take my noise canceling headphones. I'm going to put a little earbud in from the walkie so that I hear things, but I'm going down to the storm shelter where it's cold and I'm alone and I'm just going to do piles of paperwork. And that is going to, fill me back up so that I can keep putting everything else back out there. That's great that you could, were able to like see what you needed. Well, my next few questions are like my final fast questions. Um, my first one for you is what is your favorite camp song? I'm so nostalgic and like sappy. So I think Linger is probably my favorite camp song. All right. The slow ones are a lot easier for me to remember. I also really like Moon on the Meadow. Uh, I have a really funny memory with Moon on the Meadow once. One of my friends was running a campfire and called on me to lead it. And I just looked at her and she looked at me like, what? Just like start singing. And I'm like, 
I don't have a voice. (laughs) I'm like, you cannot give me one of the most like vocally dynamic songs to lead when I don't have a voice. No, I think it's Linger. I remember that from from my childhood. And uh, I think using it sparingly is a lot more special, but it's, yeah, definitely an impactful little song. I love that one. Now, all my other guests that I've had on the show, I've asked for them to sing a snippet of their favorite song. I'm well, good could now. you sing just a little bit of it for us then? Yeah, yeah, I can. Mm-hmm, I want to linger mm-hmm, a little longer, mm-hmm, a little longer here with you. My next question is, what is your favorite camp meal? <sighs> we have something at Camp Secretaria called Sister Rose's Casserole. Uh it's like a chicken gravy stuffing like casserole and it's just i mean i love everything anywhere related to stuffing so that was always a really good one always would fill up on that i also appreciated when we had meals that were like really home style so that the kids just weren't into like tuna noodle casserole because those were the days that i was like all right i am going to be able to eat as much as i need to eat to fuel my body and not going to be like competing with children for what I need to eat and saying, no, it's okay. You guys eat that. Cause like they're the most important churros. <laughs> we usually would pair churros with crispitos and crispitos are like these big, thick taquito things. Um, Abe mentioned them, but we would have churros on those days. And I would just like run around the dining hall, like gathering every last churro that people don't want. I think I had like a dozen one day, which is just <laughs> gluttonous but like (laughs) and that's just one of those like silly things that like at that point it's a joke but it's also just the full mission of my life and yeah I definitely enjoyed the energy of that (laughs) that's awesome I really liked some of the traditions that we had at Sacagawea for staff only and some of those things were things that like the staff don't find about find out about um, until they're working tough we don't want to you know reveal too much of those but Mm -hmm. um I mean, if we're going to go really, really general, I, I just, I love campfires. I love the end of the week. Um, everyone just being back together and how it gets, the, the mood changes as the night goes on and to everyone's, you know, somber reflection and um, excitement and then just trying to get everyone like jazz up at the end. Like, okay, we're going to enjoy every last minute of this now. Like, it's okay. I know you're sad because it's going to be over, but we're going to be happy that it happened. But yeah yeah i get that well i've been asking all of my guests because i want to keep this podcast going for a really long time who should i interview next i mean abe was going to be one of my recommendations but i was going to recommend her with taffy too so that you could get the dynamic duo of their you know nationwide camp adventures Um, but you just spoke with abe Abe also recommended Marvel, which I think would be a great one um, as an international staff and as someone who worked at camp a few years and was gone for, you know, seven years and then just did it again. That's the craziest thing. Um, Also, Coral, one of my good friends, she, well, like my closest friend, she uh, actually has worked in the kitchen at Sacagawea the last couple summers. So she was very humbled by you know, the camp sack food and dietary restriction shout out she got from Turtle in episode one. <laughs> um, oh, yay. I'm glad to know she listened so, to it. Yes. Yeah. No. So we're, we're spreading it around. So <laughs> those are the people that I have off the top of my head right now. Um, 
but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely nice to hear some familiar voices. And I think, yeah, these people have a lot to say and people get talking about camp. They don't stop. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know people who have met their spouse at camp. That's, I mean, Trotter lives with Abe and she has met her future wife at camp ace that an ace is an international staff that's a, another i mean speaking to them separately and or together no you're right i definitely need to get like abe and taffy together at some point so <laughs> being right they've had some crazy adventures in those summers that they've had they've had to like fire all their staff or have all their staff quit they they i mean you once you get into that going somewhere brand new but also being in charge like i just can't imagine better than they've been able to you know tell these stories my second to last question is what do you miss the most from camp i think the community i think the check-ins um the focus on you know everyone feeling supported that's just something that you don't get somewhere else it's it's just one of the more magical pieces i'm just so driven by people and connections that that's that's what fills me up um that and I'm definitely like an empath so the positive energy does I mean wonders also exhausts me because I'm an introvert but uh yeah the connections the check-ins the, everyone just having that central focus of together where we, we could change the world even if it's just for a week even I mean we're like I said I was impacted by just little things as an eight-year-old nine-year-old I went to camp on my birthday a lot. <laughs> so that connection is very important. Oh, absolutely. When's your birthday? July 16th. Yeah, I think that's probably that. Yeah, that probably calls back to one of the favorite traditions that I have. Camp Sacagawea does the Order of the Oar. Um, so they sing this song. Well, they sing this song and leads you all around the dining hall. And then they sing this rap at you like depending on who sings it, it can be very aggressive, but like in a good fun way. And then you get to sign the or. So even on summers that I haven't worked at camp, I've gone back to camp for a meal on my birthday, just so that I can be a part of the order of the or, um, <laughs> which has been really fortunate, really think, really um, a nice way to stay connected. I know my first summer not working at camp, I was going to camp consistently twice a week on Sundays and Thursdays, which were check-in day and final campfire day. Just so that I could keep that connection and, you know, see just the change in how everyone was getting along from the beginning of the week until that, like, fun day when everyone's, you know, either, you know, wanting to tear each other's heads off, wanting to never let go, or usually both. Where can people find you if they want to contact you or follow you? I am on Facebook, just under my name, Emily Ripley, E M I L Y R I P L E Y. Oh, my Instagram handle is Emily Ripley 64. Well, thank you so, so, so much, Knuckles, for coming on the Camp Kids podcast. I greatly appreciate your time. Oh, yeah. Not a problem at all. All right, Camp Kids, that was Knuckles. I hope that you had as much fun as I did listening to that interview. Make sure to go follow her on social media. And don't forget to share, like, and subscribe our podcast. We've got some great interviews coming up. Speaking of which, if you would like to be on the show, please make sure that you send an email to the Camp Kids Podcast at gmail.com. All right, my Camp Kids, that's all that I have for you tonight. But remember, this is good night and not goodbye.